I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is another episode of Convo by Design with a story about mentorship, paying it forward, and learning from the best. The reason I love doing this podcast as much as I do is because of the amazing people I meet along the way. It's as simple as that. In this episode of the show, you're going to hear from three amazing designers and truly tremendous people. Michael Berman, Timothy Corrigan, and Genevieve Trousdale. The setting is West Edge Design Fair, and the topic is mentorship. I have had the great fortune of interviewing each of them separately, but I wanted them on stage so you could hear the story about the connection that binds the three of them together. This is a story about learning, teaching, sharing, and collaborating. One of the greatest gifts that comes from teaching is what the teacher learns from the student. This is a story very much about that. Convo by Design is presented by Walker Zanger, a fantastic company and an equally fantastic design partner. While the Walker Zanger brand was built on the promise to inspire designers and architects to do their best work, there's far more to it than that. Yes, that promise is fulfilled every day through a commitment to provide the best ceramic, glass, stone, porcelain, and concrete surfaces and finishes. But at the heart is a family-owned and operated business that provides stunning surfaces for a well-designed home and does it to make designers and architects do their best work for their clients. Walker Zanger started in 1952, and they are absolutely one of the best trade partners a designer can have. Check out their newest collaborative line with designer Pieta Donovan, a collection of cement and ceramic tiles inspired by the patterns and colorways of the 1970s and created with a comfortable modernity. Walker Zanger is on the cutting edge of design, featuring products for every style and architectural feel you can create. And they provide homeowners with the materials that dream kitchens and baths are made of. Check out any of their 14 showrooms across the country or shop online, walkerzanger.com. I was at LCDQ Legends and I was listening to Bunny Williams talk about her experience with working for Parrish Hadley. And she said that Sister Parrish loved conflict and chaos. And she said, that's when I learned that that's what I didn't want in my career. And so, and she was serious when she said it. So when she went to start her career, she, or her own practice, her own firm, she knew what she wanted. So I met Timothy a long time ago. You've been on the show. We had a great conversation. I've, I've met Michael before and we've talked. When I met Genevieve and I interviewed her for the podcast not too long ago, but it was between now and Legends, we started talking about how did you get started? And these two gentlemen, came up and I said, what was that like? And the stories that she started to tell, and I was like, wait a minute, you know what? It can't just be me that would be interested in something like this. So here's the backstory. Genevieve worked for Michael for what, two years? No, five years. Five years. Five years. And you, she worked for you as well. Who did you work for first? Michael. Michael yeah. first. Yes. yes. You trained her for yes. Timothy. She made the mistakes on my money. <laughs> and then... <laughs> No, just kidding. Is this a roast? <laughs> <laughs> and she did not make a single mistake for me. <laughs> exactly. Because she learned from me. Exactly. No, we, we won't go there. No, I'm just kidding. She, I can't remember one mistake she made. Seriously. Do you know what I'm tempted to do at this point? I'm tempted to just put the mic down and let y'all go because this is how it's going to be. Um, so when you started in your career, you decided you wanted to get into design. How did you find the opportunity with Michael? Well, um, I came to Los Angeles um, right after college and I had done an internship with Suzanne Reinstein. And she really brought me in under her wing and made me aware of who is who in town and who I should really, you know, rub shoulders with. And so when I came back, I had a list of you know, my goal list of who I wanted to work for. And Michael was at the very top. And um, I just knew from the start when I met him that he was such a nice, gentle man that he was going to not only push me, but you know, encourage me in the right ways to grow. And so I thought that was a very good transition into the 
design industry in LA? I think that says something about the individual, the individual creative who is comfortable enough in their career, in their own skin, in their own creative endeavors to have that, that level of both comfort and obligation maybe, I don't know what it is, maybe you can tell me, to bring someone in under their wing and teach them what they know. Where right. does that come from for you? Um, well, for me, you know, I've had a lot of um, employees, I've had a lot of assistants in my career, and they aren't all exactly the malleable, trainable type of um, employee. Some of them have sort of not really sure what they want to do in terms of their career. They're just looking at, you know, is this something that they want to get into? Um, and they're just looking at it as a job. Genevieve was very, very different. And um, I've had a few, but Genevieve is one of the few that really had a vision and a professional attitude even before starting. And one of the things that um, I remember about Genevieve working for me was, first of all, she had great ideas. A lot of designers who come to work for me um, are open to ideas that um, are not necessarily fitting into their design aesthetic. I think, I'm not sure if that's, if we're exactly on the same aesthetic, but she really understood my design aesthetic and conformed to that in a sense, which is really a professional um, trait. It's, it's very smart. And at the same time, I think she brought to my uh, studio a lot of really wonderful ideas. She was incredibly, um, what's the word? I mean, she took notes. I'm sure, Tim, you know this. She has a notebook. So, I mean, every time she like, would answer the phone, she would calculate what she was discussing. And not, not, not completely, but she was very methodical. And I really appreciated the, the organizational skills that she had. And um, so anyway, I think getting back to your, your original question is, how do you, how do you um, uh, understand that a, a, a potential employee is going to be a good um, uh, person to train and to tutor and mentor? It, it really depends on the person and how they react to your aesthetic. And yeah, basically. With, <clears throat> with such important work that you're doing, big jobs, big budgets, timelines, the types of materials yeah. that are coming in, you do need a meticulous person. Yeah. At the same time, you have to have some, something, somewhat of a level of trust. So Timothy, how, how did you, when you meet someone like this, and I love it, we're gonna talk about you like you're not even here now. <laughs> you meet someone like Genevieve, and how do you know that you can trust this person to handle your business? Well, I think that, that um, hiring is probably one of the most difficult parts of any business. Uh, I recently read that 40% of all hires um, are bad hires, uh, and that, that's a tremendous cost to, to a company. So um, one of the things that we look for is we really look for people who may not have necessarily the same design aesthetic, but have a work uh, aesthetic, a work approach, which is going to be applicable. So that's why it was very clear, because Michael and I do very, very different designs, but the clear, the clear thing that was very obvious with Genevieve was that her approach to work was a good fit for us and a good fit you know, for you. And yeah. I think that was, that was the most important thing. So it didn't really matter. You know, from the beginning, I didn't even necessarily know what her design aesthetic was because she'd been working you know, for Michael, who had one aesthetic, and I didn't even know necessarily what hers was. And that isn't so important at that early stage. As they, as they continue to grow, that becomes more and more important. But that's what, part of what you can teach and train. So when people say, gee, you know, you have to, you're, you're born with it, Yes and no. I mean, I, I think I've, I've had, we had a, uh, our, our, our senior designer um, for a long time had the most horrible taste when she started working for us. And by the end, she really had amazing taste. So, um, but she had lots of other skills, that, which is why we hired her. But, it, you know, I think that, that, that I do think that a lot of that is training and exposure. Exposure is so key. But the basic skill set 
of having a uh, having an approach of how you're going to work is so essential. And I, I totally agree with Michael that you don't see that with every single employee. You don't say, gee, this person is going to be a superstar. But mm -hmm. I, I knew that. Uh, I'm sure you right. saw that. We that I, I, I sort of thought, gee, if anyone is going to go somewhere, it's going to be Genevieve. Yeah. Well, one thing I just want to chime in, and then we'll let you talk, maybe. But uh, when you said something about trust, how do you know you can trust this employee? Um, that's a very, very good point, because uh, trust is key. And almost, in, I wouldn't say immediately, but very, very soon after I hired Genevieve, um, first of all, I mean, look at her. She's like chic and um, has in incredible taste in clothing and jewelry. And I mean, she's just, when she walks in the door, she commands attention. And I felt like I could trust her to meet with my clients if I couldn't be at an appointment. And at the time we were working together, I was all over the place. I had projects all over the place. And I felt very comfortable trusting Genevieve to meet with any of my clients. I'm sure you had that same kind of um, experience where I wouldn't worry about her saying something. Because I've had clients, I mean, I've had employees that we could spend a whole afternoon talking about stories about how they embarrass you and say things that they shouldn't and overstep their boundaries. But no, I mean, this experience with Genevieve um, was very smooth, as a matter of fact, and um, very trustworthy. I feel like this is a broader discussion. You know, we're having it here at the West Edge Design Fair, so we're talking in the context of design and architecture, right? But this is something different. You have, you have two individuals who are highly accomplished in their field, who both, I'm, I can tell you right now, were it not for Genevieve, probably would not be here this weekend. Um, I, can, I feel safe saying that. As busy as you both are, I know that. And, they, and they're, here, they're here for you. Do you feel like this is your life? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wait till you, you see who we have backstage. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> your third grade teacher. <laughs> But, Sister Maria. <laughs> but yeah, but it's, a, it's a testament to who you are. And I think yeah. that it's, I'm fascinated by this. So, and I'm curious, the things you hear. And we, we talked about the, um, the book that you created, the rules, and sort of the guidelines. Will you share that and sort of just how, how you approach your meticulous nature and how you approach these projects? And you did so, even being sort of new to the industry, with this... Fearless, I don't know if it was a fearless confidence, but you had what it took to approach these jobs that might otherwise totally intimidate somebody else. Mm -hmm. So talk about the meticulous nature. Have you always been like that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we love her. <laughs> um, you know, working with Michael was a little bit like whistle while you work. It was very lighthearted and fun and pleasant and... And so Tim... Oh, here it comes. <laughs> here it comes. The ogre. <laughs> Tim believes you do your best under a little bit of pressure. So whenever I transitioned to his office, I thought, okay, I can't just get through this first install because everyone just survives. I have to come out of it and actually have something to talk about and to grow from and to make this office better. So my first job, I was thrown into this three-month full renovation in Chicago, and there, no one had time to train me. I was overdue for being hired, and it was for a completely different project um, across the country, across the world. Um, and so I just, I would ask people here and there, you know, how does he like his upholstery? How what are the lampshades like? What is a trim? We use very little trims with Michael, and Tim had all kinds of passementry. So I began, you know, typing all of these things out, like his standards, how he likes his paint sheens, and just a, a book of go-to because I need that for my next project. How do you remember all of this stuff? So. Um, I templated all my quote requests that easily converted into more efficient billing methods so that department could go quicker. Um, 
and easily train the new hires. And everyone goes so fast that, again, there was just no time. So I did that just in accordance with um, the process of the project. And I, I just should point out that we, the way we worked before Genevieve was that there are lots of different, there are different design teams and each one, each design director could sort of run the team, the job the way they wanted. Um, and what was so, what's such a good learning with Genevieve was when she then said, look, at, we're, this is the way I approached it and I saw how smoothly it went that I said, let's take that, that those, those rules that she wrote uh, for herself and I said, let's apply it across the, the whole, the whole uh, firm so that everyone follows it. So because it really was, I mean, you did do it, she did it for herself first and it was so right, it was so perfect that it was something we decided to apply across the, across the company. I think I called it the design bible according to Tim, right? <laughs> or Genevieve. <laughs> she wrote commandments, people. She wrote commandments. <laughs> and I think that that's what's amazing too, is that they're still in practice Absolutely. today. And backing up a second, because I, I, this is fun, this transition between, and you could sort of tell Michael's like, yeah, we're good. And Tim's like, yes, what do you want to know? <laughs> so are you that kind of boss? Are you, are you kind of just, are you laid back? Or, is that a natural way for um, you? Yeah. <laughs> I am. I'm, I'm, I, I also work very well under pressure um, myself. But yes, I... Um, whether it's to my advantage or disadvantage, I'm not sure, but we, we are a little bit more laid back in the office. We, I mean, I, I, it's hard for me to stand back and look at it. I mean, you could probably speak more to it than, than I can because you witnessed it and you experienced it. I just sort of live it and it, in a way dictate it. But um, I, I, I have a very interesting outlook and philosophy on what we do, um, which is, a, uh, a privilege, you know, we, we work in an industry that is primarily um, catering to people that are in an echelon of wealth that um, is a very small percentage. And I, I look at it as though it's a privilege to work for these people. It's a privilege and a luxury in life to be working with products that are so rich and luxurious and extravagant sometimes. And um, my temperament and I think my personality balances that extreme luxury with a humbleness. I mean, here I am being humble and saying that, but you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, it's, it's hard for me to explain, but yes, we have in my office um, less pressure, I think, for better or for worse. That's just the way it is. Yeah. And I think maybe that uh, trickles down to the employees as they uh, see how I work, and I don't put a lot of demands on them. We have deadlines, obviously, but um, I think we just sort of enjoy what we're doing, and uh, it all gets done. Tim, do you, th <laughs> do you think your philosophy about that, maybe a little bit of pressure, goes back to your, with, it just goes back to your um, experience in, in the corporate world in advertising? Well, I think a part of it yeah, is that I did, I, before working in design, I ran a, a company with 6,000 employees and had 197 offices in 89 countries that I was responsible for. So I, I'm used to a corporate structure and I'm, I understand that world. I think what really drives me more is, it was crystallized in, in a uh, New York Times article I read around six weeks ago. It was the journalists who, uh, Ronan Farrow and, and two women journalists who did did, really did the first, uncovered the Me Too movement uh, and were writing about the Me Too movement. And they were talking about how they would go into work every day with sort of a little bit of a, uh, I don't want to say a pit in their stomach, but a concern that they were not going to be able to live up to the expectations that they were, that they were feeling based on what they were doing, what they were uncovering in, in the world. And that, that that sense that when they accomplished it, was so powerful that they that that was what was continuing to drive them, and I think that that is very much what drives me. Is I always want to feel that I am growing, that I am getting better, that I'm uh, that I'm learning, and I think that so I I actually do instill that in in the designers. Is I actually give them projects that they don't know that they can handle. 
I know they can handle it, but they don't always notice that. They don't always know it. And I think it's that sense of satisfaction when they realize that they have accomplished it. I mean, I sent Genevieve off to the Middle East. To She was there for four weeks by herself uh, in, a, in a Middle Eastern country, and uh, she was installing a 45,000-square-foot project that then we finally sent over three or four other people for the last couple weeks of the installation. But she was there on her own, and I knew she could handle it. And, and, and I think that by the end of it, you felt such a huge sense of accomplishment. Yes. And, and I think that is the reward um, as, as, a, as, a, as a boss and as a mentor is helping someone rise to their capability that they're not always aware of, that they are able to do that. And it's funny, too, I guess we can all surmise that because, A, Genevieve is still here and because my, uh, Timothy has decided to join us that the project went really well. <laughs> Project clearly went well. Yeah, and it's actually it's actually featured. It's got like 20 pages in my in my new book, The New Elegance. Which and there's a number of projects that Genevieve did and spearheaded that are in that book. So it's it's a huge bravo to Genevieve. Did you know you could handle it? There were days yes. There were days no. You know, I always went back and forth. But yes, as you got into the swing of things, as you. Uh, you know, kept uh, taking on more responsibility within the project and communicating directly with the people over there. That was that was exasperating. Um, yes, you would. You, I gained my confidence. I would, on uh, my, I think it was the first time we went over there. You had invited me on a Monday, and we were leaving on a Friday, and you said. Will you come with me? You know, we're going to fly first class on Emirates. And I was just like, oh, this is exactly what I wanted. I've made it. You know, okay, I'm going to just be so overprepared for this trip. And I'm ready. And I get, you know, my checklist. And I get all the materials in my suitcase. We go there. And I think we're picking paint colors. <laughs> you remember. And we come to one of the most important rooms in the house. And I don't have the fabrics. I don't have the folder. And I was like, this can't be true. You know, and I'm just like turning over the suitcase, like in the lining, like where could it be? I have to have this, you know? And um, Tim's just looking at me, where is it? Where are the fabrics, Jenny? And so is the client. <laughs> yeah, we're in a group of people and Tim's eyes just keep getting bigger and I just don't have it don't have it. It's not here. I don't know how, but it's not here. And I think we ended up, you had to pick them when you were back in LA and it turned out okay. But that was, I was just like, I might've just lost my job right now. I First have trip. I have to tell you all, this is, this is the best story about Genevieve. We had this client, these crazy, crazy, crazy clients who wanted to have a mobile over their bed in the master bedroom. You know how babies have mobiles over their head that, that, make their minds work. These clients wanted to have a mobile over their bed with sex toys. <laughs> and I just could not say to the client, no. So I gave Genevieve this prim, proper girl from the South <laughs> the objective of going out and researching beautiful sex toys <laughs> that could make the most beautiful mobile. And she, then I made her present them. <laughs> And it was so wonderful because she presented it all and I said at the end of it, I said, now, so you see, we can do a spectacular mobile that could go over your bed, but I just have to tell you that if we do that, this, this product, the project will never get published. <laughs> and just like that, they flipped and said no. But I just had such fun to have Genevieve do all that research. That's great. Really stretched my imagination. We just learned something about Timothy, too. That's Tim, you, you, got a, you, got a, you got a little mean streak in you. <laughs> oh, I think I was being very helpful. <laughs> how, do you, how do you call home and explain what it is that you're working on? <laughs> oh God, I don't even remember how I explained that one to my parents. But you know, I just refer it as it was graphic art installation. I'm sure, and you know, you leave some things out. <laughs> so, <laughs> some a need to know basis, right? Here's the you know here's the moral of the story: is none of us get ahead in life without 
a little bit of help. We've all gotten help at some point in, in our lives. And I, I don't think getting that kind of help is, it's a gift. It really is a gift. And Michael, listening to you talk, to have some, you mentioned some others who have come in who, who don't necessarily comport themselves appropriately, who don't handle mm -hmm. themselves the way that they should, who don't appreciate it. As you, I, I'm just curious, does that ever dissuade you from wanting to bring young designers in, or do you ever get to the point where you just say, you know what, it's easier if I just do it myself? Mm. Mm, not, not really for me, because um, uh, we, at my studio, we, we have, um, well, let me speak for myself. I have learned a lot from hiring students and interns and young people. Um, and I, I, I learn from them just like they're learning from me, maybe in a little bit of a different way. But I love the idea of bouncing a new idea off of somebody that's completely, you know what I'm saying, not jaded by our industry, doesn't have any preconceived ideas about the way things are supposed to be done. Genevieve, I, I mean, I, I'm just going to say, like, I think her design aesthetic, which is elegant and, and refined and beautiful and simplified and gorgeous and southern and all that stuff. And then she comes to me and I'm like, you know, kind of stuck in the 50s or 60s craziness. I don't know. But when she would present something to me, I'd be like, oh, well, okay, I like that. It's not something that I would have necessarily shopped for or selected or, you know, even thought of. But often with something that she'd show me, I would, I would have that response. A couple people who have worked for me definitely also have done that. But um, it, it doesn't dissuade you. You could, you, as Tim probably can uh, attest to this, you, you have a lot of people over the years, if you're successful enough and you have enough longevity where people have come in and out of your studio um, as employees. And um, I mean, the vast majority are good because as you know, hiring, well, I'm really, well, let's just say, I don't have a quick turnover in my studio. We have people that stay for quite a while. Um, but uh, there's more positive energy that comes out of it than negative. Yes, we've had a couple of those people that get drunk at a Christmas party and, you know, tell, tell stories. They have to leave the very next day. Um, but, you know, uh, by and large, it's been a very positive experience to mentor other other. Uh, you know, other design, budding designers. And I really say, I think it's our, our responsibility. I, I, um, I, I feel that even if I could do it myself, it's my responsibility to help younger designers. Uh, and so I'm very consciously, as I'm going through and as they're presenting things to me, I'll say no, but I explain why I'm saying no. So it's not just that I'm yeah. being mercurial. I'm right. just sort of saying no because that's a, 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 a synthetic, or that's a, that's a, we don't use viscose for upholstery because it's going to stain, or whatever it is, so that they will learn. Um, it's not just, um, it's not just a, a question of yes or no, it's why. That yeah. was one of the key ingredients of why I thrived with you is because very early on, you weren't just like, no, yes, no, yes. You said, you took the time and you had very little time to say why it will work, why it won't, and the client doesn't like this or that. And again, all of those, that feedback went into the standards and policies and procedures. It, it really is amazing. I, I did interviews for a number of years for Playboy and before the Playboy Jazz Festival every year, the musicians would all come through town and I got to talk to them. And what was really fascinating is the new ones coming up to the old ones who have been there for decades, they all felt the same way. It's not unique just to jazz, but jazz is definitely one of, one of those spaces where there is an obligation. It's not even, uh, it's not a question of are you gonna help? It is who are you gonna help? How many are you gonna help? And you know how many how many resources are you going to allocate to these people? Because you understand that this is an art form. This is a very unique and special art form, and it, it's an obligation to help the younger the young bloods come up. So, design is a truly unique art form. If you look at your work, your work, your work, your aesthetics are all very different. There can be similarities in each of them, but 
we could we could look at your work if your name was not on it and probably do the game. We should do that next year, shouldn't we? Yeah. We'll do that next year. And, and we'll, but it's interesting to me because, you know, and Genevieve, you and I actually spoke about this. Some young designers are in such a hurry to get out of school, hang a shingle. Des- okay, how does it work? They design their living room and then they put their living room on social media and they're a designer, mm-hmm. but they don't really have the chops yet. Yeah, I, I just want to chime in because that's a very good point. Um, and I think working for another interior designer is a way to get your uh, experience and knowledge firsthand, things that you don't necessarily get covered in school. Um, am I right? Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's the psychology behind everything and how to present things, and how to take care of problems when they arise, um, and all kinds of things that you just, you don't get that experience just in school. Um, But, you know, as you were speaking there, I was just thinking, um, there are certain pearls of wisdom that you pick up from people that you have worked for in the past, and it carries with you, I think, throughout your career, and you keep, like you say, you know, you created that that incredible Bible for Tim, and all of the things that went into that Bible are in your mental inventory. That's that's your knowledge. That's your inventory. It's in your head, and those are things that you can always refer back to. And um, I know for me, like w- when I was starting, and I I just remember certain things from other designers that I worked for that always come back to me. I hear their voices, and I hear them saying, you know, either you know be the principle of your idea and don't wish, you know, don't waffle on ideas when you're presenting it to a client and always come prepared and always answer the phone and, you know, those kind of things that continue to, even in my career now, I mean, those are always things that I'm thinking of continually that I picked up from, from people that I worked for, my mentors. I think what's interesting with that too is, so your background and what you picked up, how many mentors did you have before, before you started your own firm? Mentors? Uh, so how many, how many companies, did you, how many companies two. did you work for? Two? Just two. And Genevieve, you had two. Do you think that's, is that a, a, is that a good number? Too hmm? long term. Yeah. It's a good number if you're, I, I mean, I think it's better than a dozen, you know. Right, right. <laughs> that says a lot, two right? Different, and two different firms. I think different kinds of firms are very good, too. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, I think what's also interesting, too, is Tim and I have spoken at length about the unique sales proposition and having that uniqueness that makes a designer who you are and makes you special. Not you're not special if you don't know what your story is, but it's what makes you so unique that clients will want to work with you. And... I feel like it's impossible, it's not impossible, it's improbable for someone to go out and find their unique sales proposition, what makes them truly unique, unless they've worked under the tutelage of others. So Genevieve, now when you hire, what do you look for? And what kind of boss are you? I think I'm a very good boss. Um, (laughs) Well, of course you do. I think I'm a combination of both of you guys. That's Um, good. You know, I... I put a very strict training program together. I mean, you know, I make sure that they understand the tasks from beginning to the very end, not just short term, like go shop for this fabric. What's the fabric for? Why, why do they need it to be really durable there? And you know, the, the whole all encompassing goal. So I am very thorough when it comes to that. Um, I also want somebody that can hold down the fort when I'm not there because um, one of the big reasons I went on my own was to just manage my own time finally. And um, someone that can really, okay, you've got the training booklet, here you go, run with it. You know, you've got to be resourceful. You know, try your three different methods, look at the plans. Uh, reference any emails before you ask me a question. You know, I'm not going to bite back at you if you do ask a question, but, you know. Do your work first. Yes. And that's, you know, learn from both of them. Let's go back one second. Do your work first. What does that mean? Uh, I think that, that you don't go to 
a boss um, without doing all the research so that you're not just going there and, and sort of saying, help me figure this out. If you've been exposed, if you've been copied on emails, if you've read the meeting notes, you probably got a, there's a good chance that you will have the information. Uh, and then if you go then and you say, I've read the meeting notes and I didn't see it here and I looked in the emails and I didn't see it there, so maybe I'm missing something. I'm much more likely to say, oh, yeah, well, here what it is. Whereas if I just said, well, gee, if you actually, actually, if you'd read those meeting notes, you would have seen it on the third page, that was there. I, it's, it's not going to be, it's, it's, it's not as pleasant. That is, that is so <laughs> diplomatic of you. It's not as pleasant. <laughs> what, what I find super interesting is, you know, Nowadays, and it's funny, this is not going to turn into a millennial bashing session. So for those of you who are hoping for that, it's not going to be that. Maybe a little bit, but not so much. A couple of things that have come up in this conversation, right? Being meticulous, being diligent, being responsible, answering the phones. Those are, those are qualities that are very, very hard to come by these days. And so... In putting this together, I kind of wanted, my goal here, my purpose here was to, to showcase something that's still around if you work hard enough and you look for it. And I don't think it's unique just to our industry. I think it's, it's found elsewhere. I think that um, it is so special when someone gets to work under masters and then they become a master themselves and then they truly believe in sort of passing it on to the next generation as well. Do you, question for all three of you, do you think about that as, as part of a legacy? Because when I heard Bunny speak and she was talking about you know, what she learned under Sister Parish and Parish Hadley, and then she talked about someone like Miles Red who worked for her, and she's proud of that. She's proud of that. You know, it, she, considered, she seemed to consider it Part of, part of her legacy, part of what she did. Not that you know, she owns his design or had, or had anything you know, about his success, but she did have something to do with his success. She gave him a chance. How do, you, how do you, I'll just go right to left or left to right, whoever wants to start. Do you think about that as part of your I, practice? I, you know, last year when I received the Legacy Award from the ICAA, um, I really thought a lot about legacy and what that means. And I realized that for me, the legacy of leaving behind... Um, uh, people who have learned from me, who have grown from me, um, that, and and also a solid, humane, uh, good way of running a business. That was more important to me than any project that I left behind. It was just that sense of carrying on um, uh, and and being able to feel like I have helped grow people and train people for them to do their job well, and and hopefully continue that legacy on as well. Yes, I think it, it is so important to pass on your knowledge and uh, keep, the, keep the fun of it, keep the, uh, the wisdom alive. And just like they have mentored me and several others before, Suzanne Reinstein being one of them, and Jerry Bremerman in New Orleans, she was my very first start, it is so important in my mind to make sure others have that experience and others feel comforted and that people are rooting for them and um, to teach them the right way to approach things. It's, it is very premier in my, in my thought process. For me, uh, it's important and um, I've, I've had some great uh, um, assistants who I felt have really benefited from my knowledge and my um, experience, and they've they've received a very good education in under my tutelage in my office. And um, I hope that uh, many of them take that information and become very successful, like Genevieve, and and go forward and grow. And um, as they look back. You know whether they realize it at the time or not. Maybe as they look back, they'll they'll um, understand how good they had it. Maybe I don't know. I, I just I personally I, I feel like it takes a very particular person to uh, 
to pick up all of the, the, the knowledge and education and the things that you're trying to instill in them as an employee and carry it forward. Obviously, Genevieve is one of those kind of people that has retained that information and used it to, to pro progress in her profession. And I'd like to just do a, a huge shout out to someone who's here in, our, in the audience today, Rocky LaFleur from Needler for Share, who is absolutely the king of mentorship, of, of bringing um, young students, uh, design students from, from all over um, and, and helping them along. So I think that, that it's such an important thing that we as a community uh, need to continue to be, to be working on this. Yeah, I totally right. agree. And, and it's true. interesting because with that, and this is probably a, a good place to sort of bring it home, is, and Rocky, remarkable job as well. Um, I think it's important. It is important. And it's, it's really important that the people who least have the time to do it are the ones who are doing it, you know? And so thank you very much. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to let the helicopter go by first. All right. It's so funny because after after doing this for five years at West Edge, I can pretty much tell you, oh, that's a G7. That's that's a that's a. I can because I, I spend so much time editing these down. I can you know holding for airplanes. Yeah. Um, here's what we're gonna do. I haven't after the panels that we've had all weekend. I haven't really gone to questions for a couple of reasons, but. I, this time, I, I kind of want to open it up. I'm just curious. We're close. We're close here. Does anyone have questions? We do. Oh, I love it. Okay, wait for me. Hi. Hello. Um, I was wondering if any of you have policies on um, employees wanting to work from home and having flexibility for that sort of thing. It seems like it's kind of like a modern day thing, and mm -hmm. so I just wondered where you stood on that. Uh, in our experience, that has not worked very well um, because it's a team project and there are many people. It's one thing if someone was doing something exclusively on their own. So if they're doing a pull or something like that, that's fine. Then they can do it. But um, there's, in, in, at least in our experience, there's just too much going. The, the, the team needs to do together. Um, and it is not, it is not that easy. I've, I've had people that are out for maternity leave and things like that. And um, I... I find that, in, I'm not sure our, our business profiles are exactly the same. Um, I've transitioned a lot into product design, and I work fine with several employees remotely. Um, and uh, it seems to work out just, just fine. They don't need to be present. We have, we have a, I have an employee that I, I love, and she's wonderful, and um, unfortunately she had to move out of state because of her husband's job, and um, she's able to work for me remotely. And we do FaceTime, and we can share things on the computer screen, and we speak by conference call all the time, and it works out well. But she's a product designer, She right? She is a product designer, but she also does uh, furniture plans and layouts and elevations and cabinet drawings and things like that. Um, she's not selecting materials, but she's doing all the mechanical drawing, and so in that regard, it works out fine. Yeah, but I can, I can understand if you need somebody present to, you know, to coordinate with others in the office on a particular project. Yes, it's important to have that office synergy. I use a program called Asana, which I introduced to Tim's office, and I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's, um, it's very helpful for those types of situations, and you want to have a, your paper trail all in one area, and just to keep your master to-do list straight and... Um, you know, there's no real break in communication if you're if you keep it all on that platform. Can you speak? I didn't hear any of you talk a great deal about the value of formal education and the role of that in the design process and in mentoring. Is that something that you look for when you're hiring people? How important is it? Or or is it more important to have people that have a sense of style, that have a, a quick wit? all those, those qualities, because there's a lot of investment in schooling right now, but I'm not sure necessarily that the schools are teaching the, the things that you and I have talked about, Genevieve, that, that are really valuable in, in a design uh, practice. Why don't you, can you speak to that for me? I, I sure can. Um, so when I was in college, it was just starting uh, CAD 
that was coming out, and I thought that was very important, and that carried over to Michael's. I even did hand drafting for you, which I also learned in school, um, and fabric properties and uh, kind of more technical things, but I think it's a combination of all of those things, learning how to communicate with clients, and you only get that in field. So I think a, a little bit of everything is important, yes, but... I would like to see curriculums uh, include more in-field situations that yeah. you're presented I with. I personally do not have the higher education in design, um, but you know, when I came out of the womb, I knew that's what I wanted. And um, I've been very fortunate because I've worked for some um, also self-taught designers, and. Um, you know, some people have a particular style and a particular talent that's innate, and it works. But there is also, like Genevieve said, the technical aspect of doing design work where you have to be able to communicate with an architect's office. You have to be able to create and generate the, the work and the drawings that give a contractor or a, a workroom the right tools for creating the product that you envision. So you can't just skate by by thinking you're, you know, going to um, uh, create everything on a napkin and hand it to somebody. Um, you really do. So in my in my office, even though we don't look at college education as um, all that important, they have to have certain skills in terms of the technical drawings and things like that. Um, so it's, it's, again, it's a 50-50 thing. And we don't, we don't even look at people who don't have CAD, for example, just because it's, it's essential um, today to have those kinds of basic skills. I don't think the schools are doing a good enough job of teaching um, uh, art history, um, design right. history, right. cultural history, all those other things, because right. uh, there's no context to which so many students come out, they don't have any historical context and understanding of how design fits together on a, on a pendulum throughout history and, and, exactly. and how one, one thing, you know if it's going, if we've just been in modernism, you know it's going to move away and it's going to go towards maximalism. You know it's going to, it's going to continue to go back. And so having that understanding that you get with understanding of history is so important. You know, one of the things that I do, I don't know if I did it with Genevieve, but I've done it with a lot of um, uh, students and uh, employees that are apprenticing under me. And um, in order to speak the same language in the office, there's, there's a language of design that we, we speak. And it's a reference to certain periods. It's a reference to certain um, design styles. It's a reference back potentially to other designers. And those are things that they not uh, students don't necessarily pick up in school. Now, I'm sure Tim's office has a completely different language than mine does. There's probably a crossover, I'm sure. But you know, I'm not as um, classical trained or or interested, and and you're probably not as you know modern, modern or contemporary. But anyway, what, the, what I'm getting at is, you know, often what I'll do is I, I have a library of books that are on designers that influenced me and an aesthetic that I'm sort of interested in. So often I'll, with a new employee, I'll give them a whole stack of books and I'll just say, take them home, like checking them out of a library. And just when you have time, review them on the weekend, thumb through, you don't have to read it. It's a picture book, picture books are beautiful. And just pick up a language of design that coincides with my aesthetic so that when you're working for me, you know, we're, 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 on, we're on the same page. And um, no pun intended. And so that's that's a that's sort of a um, one of the, the the things that I like to do in in getting a new employee is exposing them to some things that maybe they've never been exposed to. And generally, their their minds are wide open. And you know, I'm I hope that you got some of that from me. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Any others? Oh, good. Hold on. It's complicated because the fine arts, say you hire someone like that's a fine artist that can really draw, how far does that 
count in your office and in the general... I, I love anybody that can draw. And I love the fact that anybody can draw. Quick sketching, it's so handy, comes in handy when you're at a presentation and you're showing a client something and you can sketch and just give them the idea right there and it doesn't... It, it, it's, it's like shorthand. It just takes so much less time to, to get a, an idea across. Um, so that's really valuable. But in addition to just sketching, they have to be able to do a lot of other things too. And I actually find that I actually encourage people to draw things freehand first, yeah. and then we go into CAD uh, when it's much more detailed. But I think the, you, the ability to express yourself in freehand is so much more, more valuable. Right. I still draw lollipop trees. You still what? <laughs> draw lollipop trees. I'm not a good hand artist. <laughs> I love it. We have time for about one more if anyone's got one. One more thing. Okay. Hi, I just wanted to say I've worked with Michael Berman on many, many projects. Um, I have a very high regard for Tim. I have not worked directly with him, but I have an extremely high regard. I need to say about Michael Berman that he has created opportunities for me where I was able to fly and do wonderful things. Oh, thank He's you. fun. Thank you. He's a great collaborator. And I'm here today to take my seat and say thank you, Michael. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. Thank you. And you know what? That is, that is probably the perfect note. Uh, to put a bow on this and wrap it up, uh, please help me thank Genevieve Trousdale. Thank you, guys. Michael it's Berman, an honor is Timothy Corrigan. Um, <laughs> th you all have my appreciation. Thank you so much for sharing. That's a wrap on this episode of Convo by Design. Thank you, Genevieve, Michael, and Timothy. Thank you, West Edge Design Fair, for making a public forum possible. Thank you, Walker Zanger, for your tremendous support. And most of all, thank you for listening. Were it not for you, there would be no Convo by Design. And by the way, are you subscribing to the show? If you're not, please do. Simple and easy. Uh, you can find us everywhere you find your favorite podcasts, or simply ask Siri. Just say, hey, Siri... Play Convo by Design podcast. Here's the podcast Convo by Design. Hi, I'm Alex Papacristidis from AP Interiors, and you are listening to Convo by Design. And she will. It's as simple as that. So thank you for listening, and until next week, keep creating. Mm -hmm.